my version of success is not always going to be driven by dollars and cents. It's going to be driven by whether or not we've achieved something for you and for me. Daniel, welcome to the Fit Team Show. Thank you for having me. Look forward to hearing a little bit more about your story. Absolutely. So let's start, um, you know, tell us where you're from, where you grew up, and we'll start there. So I was born and raised in Florida. Um, actually born in South Miami, but sort of got back to the Keys fast enough that I was officially a conk, um, which is what they call you if you're, if you're born in the Keys. Um, after that, uh, went to Michigan for a few years. So I was there as a you know, young kid. Came back to Florida for tail end of elementary school, middle school, high school, and uh, basically grew up in Florida. Um, you know, outside of that, traveled a little bit after school, but grew up in Florida. Okay, so high school, let's start there. Tell us about your high school experience. So high school was interesting. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't love high school the entire time I was there, and I kind of, you know, I was one of those kids that, um, you know, would have preferred to take nothing but tests. Didn't like homework, didn't like doing any of that stuff, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't my cup of tea. But ultimately, it allowed me to graduate about a year and a half early. Oh. Uh, I went after everything. We had this uh, sort of block scheduling, so I just condensed all my classes and graduated early, um, which basically, you know, put me in a position to be too young to go to college. Um, but also, my parents weren't going to let me stay home and do nothing, so I just started working. So a year and a half early. So what do you do for a year and a half? What do you do for work? Uh, I was a bus boy at a restaurant down here in South Florida. I was, uh, I was busing tables, trying to sneak my way into being a waiter, but they wouldn't let you be a waiter unless you're 18. I wasn't even 18, so I basically bussed tables for that whole year, but saved that money, was able to, to buy a car, and was able to go to, to university ultimately with um, a decent amount of money in my pocket. Nice. So what university do you go to? Okay, so this is an interesting story. I went to both Florida State and University of Florida. I, I went to Florida State for about two years and then transferred to University of Florida. Um, you know, you can imagine the conflict there because both teams are very competitive mm -hmm. with each other for football and basically all the sports. And, um, you know, for me it was logical, right? I wanted to be in the consumer behavior program at the University of Florida, and at that time it was considered widely to be a top 10 program in the U.S., but also, I mean, it was within the state, it was the best program you could be in. So which team do you root for now? All right, so the game always occurs every year on my birthday, right? Every single year, it occurs on Thanksgiving weekend. My birthday is November 27th, so it's, it's always that weekend. So, I mean, I hate to be the fair weather fan, but unfortunately, unless one of the team is in major contention for like a national championship, I don't really root like I you know I, there was a couple of years where I wore two shirts right <laughs> so like one game and then you pull off the other shirt it's my birthday right so I wanted to make sure I was having a good right, a good right. day no matter what but it was always funny with my friends because I'd have both sets of friends from both schools um, celebrating and it was a little bit uh, you know everybody got a little bit uh, antsy to see exactly where I would my loyalties would be right so after uh, college what was next for you so I, I, at the tail end of school, I did some interning for, and this was before I even finished, I, I interned for Nielsen uh, Media Research at that time. That was an MR up in Oldsmar in Tampa. And that was very interesting because that, you know, that, that was a marketing research company that does it you know, global, on almost a global level. 
but that wasn't where they had me working. They had me working in this uh, IT governance program, um, which is, was so far outside of my scope or of knowledge that I didn't really know what I was doing. But in the end, what the program was designed to do, or what I was doing there, was trying to be a change agent, or a process, what they call a process quality analyst, right? So you're looking at everything and you're trying to refine the processes, then you give those best practices to whomever's in charge, and then they try to get everybody to do them. And what I found is with huge companies and with politics involved, it's a very, very difficult job, which actually fed my future career choices, which was that I did not want to end up in a really, um, in a really corporate environment where things couldn't move quickly. Um, and then after school, my first job was at uh, MDVIP, which is you know, one of the largest concierge medicine companies in the country. I did research and analysis for them. And then after that, I uh, became a, you know, just an outside salesperson locally, um, doing some IT sales down here, and then um, joined up with Signature MD out in California. I was out there for five years, roughly, and I was running sales for them. Um, also a concierge medicine We're in company. California where you at? I was in, we were, like, I'm, I'm, me personally, I was, I kind of bounced around when I was there, mm -hmm. but it was all inside the, like, greater Los Angeles, okay. right? So I lived everywhere from Hollywood to Marina Del Rey, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, got my experiences bouncing around there, but I liked it there. I liked it there a lot. It was good, good time. So after, after California? Um, after California, I came back down here, down to Florida, um, and... Um, launched two different companies. One was a, an embedded electronics company which created um, you know, personal security alert type jewelry. So think like, you know, I hate to use the term life alert, but like it was like an advanced life alert that was embedded in jewelry. Um, and that company, we ultimately, you know, we, we released the patents to somebody else and, and let them do the work on it. Um, and then I did some mobile app development stuff, a company called Click. After both of those two companies, I launched the current company that I have now, which is Longevity, which is really, it's, it's in the concierge medicine space, it's in that healthcare space that I really enjoy, and I, I really wouldn't change anything. I mean, the trajectory that I took was sort of the long way around, if you will, but nothing was lost. I feel like I learned a lot. Along so tell us about Longevity. All right, so Longevity, in my opinion, I feel is different from other companies in the space because... We're more, I don't want to say boutique, but our intention with every single doctor is to create a unique program specifically for them. So where other companies have their format, their conversion format, what the doctor's deliverables will be to the patients, we don't really do that. We kind of come in there and we ask the doctor about their expertise. Where do they believe they're the best at what they do? And then what we do is we try to create a program that mixes the best of what they do with the demands of what the patient's want right and that's that's how we create the programs that we do for the doctors which means the doctors get to do the things they enjoy the most but they're not they're not forced into fitting you know the square peg in the round hole right they're able to do the things they like while also doing things that the patients need we have a ton of that's awesome we have a ton of entrepreneurs that that um, watch and listen to the, to the show what's some of the tougher, tougher challenge experiences you've had over the years that you could, maybe one or two you'd want to share? Absolutely. Um, there's been a handful of them, actually. Right. As many as you um, want. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go right out the gate from the very beginning to the very end because I actually have these in my right. head. I remember these every day as part of my, like, 
sort of gratitude process mm -hmm. is to remember what I've learned from these experiences. Um, going all the way back to Nielsen, there was a job that was offered to me right out of school, which was a rotation program. It was a very advanced program. It was a really good job. And I went into the interview, and they asked me a very basic question, which was, you know, give us an example of a time you failed. And I literally told them I have never failed. And it was the worst possible answer I could have given because it showed no hubris, no humility, no understanding of what failure really is, right? Because I graduated school with straight A's. I didn't have, I mean, in my mind, I'd never failed, right, at what I had tried to achieve. But that's, they, I could have said, I could have said I failed at relationships. I could have said I failed with, you know, you know, my parents. I could have said I failed with maintaining relationships with family members, brothers, coworkers, whatever it may be. Didn't do that just totally lacked any humility and I didn't get the job out of that. So that's the very first time, <laughs> right? So I learned my lesson from that. Um, after joining um, MDVIP, um, another time, so this is, I'm joining companies as they're growing. I was very young, very ambitious. Again, not a lot of humility, um, arrogant, right? And I came out and I said, you know, I think I want this job. And they were like, well, you can't have that job. You're too young for that job. You know, that job is for an older person that, that can relate more easily with a doctor. You're, you're very talented, you're, you're smart, but you're not built for that job. And I basically, um, I, you know, I think I basically, I wouldn't say I had a meltdown, but I basically automated my entire job that they had me doing and basically turned an eight hour job day into like five minutes of work every day and then did like eight months worth of work and then basically told them I wanted to leave and then gave them eight months worth of work. I'm like, you don't even need to replace me, just press enter on the computer, that kind of thing. Mm. So that was, that was another time where it was, you know, you can't, force, you can't force yourself into positions that maybe you're not meant for. And frankly, even if I was good at the job that I had, I don't think I understood what they meant until mm -hmm. the next job that I had, which was at, you know, I did some outside sales and then I went to Signature MD and I did research and analysis at Signature MD and they were a very small company when I joined them, very, very small. And once I got the knack for what they were trying to accomplish and what we wanted to do as far as growth, they ended up, they ended up letting go of every single salesperson in the company and then just keeping me on board and then growing out from there. And they put me in a position to where I was, the, the salesperson I always wanted to be. And then all of a sudden I realized that when I would go and talk with a doctor that my shortcomings were exactly what other people said they were gonna be, which is how does a 24, 25 year old kid, okay, um, relate to a 60-year-old physician. When a 60-year-old physician just says, I'm really tired, I'm really run down, I, I, the administration is killing me, I don't enjoy what I do anymore. How does someone who's so young communicate that they understand that where the person actually believes them? And that was something that I had to overcome so many times, which ultimately I did, and it, it's helped me now in the career now with longevity because mm -hmm. The purpose now in understanding people is not to say I've been in your shoes. It's much more about looking at somebody and saying, you know, I could fix it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't know exactly what it is that you're experiencing, but the, but there's, there's resolution on the horizon for you. So that was basically a lot of the stuff that I was learning, you know, along the way. And of course, I had two startups that went the distance and then kind of fizzled out on the tail end prior to longevity. And those things will really hurt. As an entrepreneur, I would say that, that, that putting your heart and soul into a business, 
putting everything you have into it because that's the only way you can succeed as an entrepreneur. You really, you have to have a level of commitment that people mm -hmm. think is insane, basically. Um, and and you have to, that, you're committed to that idea regardless of whether or not it's making sense to everybody else at that time. It's a, it's a level of commitment that, that really you're emotionally so involved in. Um, and I felt like at the end of those two things, like I felt like the floor had been kicked out from underneath me. It was pretty bad. So coming back from that, you know, picking yourself up, getting back on the horse and keep going, that just showed me what, what I was capable of. Good stuff. So you mentioned graduating a year and a half early. That's, all. That's you know, a great accomplishment. What's some other accomplishments that you're most proud of? It's a good question. So I, you know, within university, um, there was, you know, I really wanted to become president of the American Marketing Association. And there was, I mean, it was very, very difficult having coming from another school, going in there and becoming a, a, a member late, and ultimately ended up becoming president of that organization, which was, which was kind of a nice thing um, early on in college. But Tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, so this is, this is sort of an interesting situation. So I had, I was in a fraternity at the time, and I had every single person in my fraternity sign up for the American Marketing Association. And then when it came for the election, I had them all show up and vote for me. I mean, I basically stole the election by having everybody who was a member do it. So it was not, it wasn't the highlight moment that I think it, well, like I thought it was going to be. It showed me that there was ingenious ways, clever ways to achieve the goals, but also that it's the way you achieve those goals that, that, that will make you feel accomplished or not accomplished, right? It's how you get there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes it really is the path without, you know, I don't want to sound too cliche, but it really is. It's how you get there. Um, so that's basically how, that's basically how that happened. And so ultimately I ended up as, as president of the organization for a year. We did do some really great stuff. We introduced some marketing programs that basically provided marketing services for businesses that were near the school um, and for, you know, alumni. Um, that were not these were programs that we didn't have before. I presided over, um, I think what they, I think it's still in the Guinness Book of World Records, the, the largest scavenger hunt ever. Um, so there's probably, I probably could produce a, an article for you on that. It's pretty funny. It's like a little blurb, but uh, that was interesting because we had this big, massive scavenger hunt. And um, how many people? I don't remember actually. I, I probably <laughs> several hundred, but it was it was the number of of places and things to do. I mean, it was okay. very it was extensive um, and it was it was somehow categorized I didn't even know that that it was that somebody on the team must have submitted it to Guinness because it wasn't me but it was um, it was something that uh, was done so um, and then you know after that I think some of the accomplishments I achieved a lot of a lot of success early on in my career by being tenacious you know by going out there and just like putting the entire business on my back and walking it over the finish line. And I'm proud of those moments, but you know, that what all that really meant was that I was not, you know, I'm I'm proud that I was able to do it. I'm not proud of the fact that I wasn't able to delegate as much as I would have liked. And so now where I am now, delegating has become so much more important because mm -hmm. in operating a business you just simply can't do everything. Mm -hmm. But I I learned a lot from them, but I also realized, you know, what I was capable of. So that's, I mean, I think I take a lot of pride in how far um, I was able to go in my career um, so rapidly. What's some goals that you have going forward? 
I would really like to see longevity become, uh, you know, I don't need it to become a market leader in that sense. I just want to make sure that all of the participating physicians that we work with really view us as family. I mean, I think that's something that's so important. I work with my family now. The business is family run. And it's been such a blessing to be able to do that because when I want to do something or when I want to change something, I'm dealing with people who understand and empathize with whatever my goals are, right? So that's, that's very nice. And then when I'm working with the doctors, like I want to work them into that fold. I want them all to have that same sense of familiarity with me and, and trust that comes with, with all of that. And I think that, that really is my goal. Like it doesn't have to be the biggest business in the entire world. What I want it to be is a business with integrity, a business that's honest, and a business that really does help both patients and doctors in a way that other companies don't. So what's, um, you know, obviously you've had some success, and when someone's successful, it's, it's, there's some people around you that have helped, helped you to get where you're at. Who are some people that, for you, that um, you'd say fit that? So... For better or for worse, I would say that every single boss that I've ever had, um, some were more leaders than they were bosses, but mm-hmm. the fact is is that every single boss I've ever had has taught me something. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they taught me how not to behave. Mm-hmm. Maybe they taught me um, that you you know there's a, you know that there's just as important to sell internally as it is externally. I just every single one of them has really been motivating to me in some way or another. Like I may look back, there was a long time after Signature MD because the way in which the Signature MD relationship uh, you know, uh, ended was not, was not ideal. Um, and for a long time I was very both reticent to go back into con- concierge medicine, but also I was upset. You know, I was holding in a lot of that. After I was able to release that, that anger and that like frustration from all of that, I realized that there was a part of me that, wow, like, I can let this go. I can look at these people and I can now observe them as if they were teachers, mentors, and other things without feeling, you know, you know, without the shroud of anger kind of dealing with all of it. So I look at all of those people and I admire them. Now, I also, I'll, I'll use my brother as somebody I greatly admire. My brother is an absolute machine. Um, he's a very experienced engineer. He's a very experienced, he's the CTO of the company. He, I can say something. We, we, we could be talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. And I could say something and he literally can invent it. And I just find that to be the most amazing thing. You know, mm-hmm. I can talk about a whole bunch of ideas and, mm-hmm. and elegant solutions to problems, but I don't have the actual chops to be able to implement them, but my brother does. And so I admire, I admire him to the next level. He's really, he's like a hero to me when it comes to this company. And um, I'll even throw it out to my mom. My mom is an attorney. Uh, She's the acting attorney, the the official corporate attorney for longevity as well. Um, And she just, she taught me how to be a good guy. Like Mm -hmm. the whole time growing up, like we didn't get away with being, you know, bad or dishonest or, or disingenuous. I might've been arrogant, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't teach that out of me, but she let me fall on my face and I learned my own lessons. But she was so good at making sure that we knew what was right, what was wrong, and what was important to people. And to make sure that we, that we did our best to, to be those 
those people, the ones that delivered the, you know, the right things to people. So any entrepreneur out there, what, uh, what advice do you have for them that's getting started or thinking about getting started? Okay. Uh, it's, you're, at the beginning, you're a fanatic. I mean, you're, there's, you're, you're totally invested in the idea, and you should be. But at the same time, you, you need to have somebody on your team that is pragmatic, who is looking to make sure that you're not throwing money away, who's looking to make sure that you're operating lean, who's, who's basically paying attention on whether or not the business that you're doing or investing in has wild competitors, unanticipated problems, all sorts of things. You need a person on your team that's not cynical, but that brings reality to match your fanaticism, right? Because you're, you're operating in this world of, of extreme, like, I've got this, I love this idea, this is gonna work, this is, this is a world-class idea, and that's amazing. You need to hold on to that, but you also need to have somebody that can help you to achieve that goal while keeping your feet on the ground, without letting you fly away right. and, uh, and then you know, stumble by accident. Absolutely. So what's some last words, anything else that you want some people to know about you? Um, well, I, I think for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm driven at this moment in my life finally to, you know, this is not all about money. Like, people always talk about trying to achieve great goals and they kind of correlate it to money or associate it with money. For me, you know, I want to be successful, but my definition of success has changed so dramatically over time that... I think that's something that's very important. If you're working with me, my version of success is not always going to be driven by dollars and cents. It's going to be driven by whether or not we've achieved something for you and for me that is, that is a benefit to you and that improves your life, that improves your ability to be with your family, that improves anything that you want it to improve and that you include that in your success. You know, some people just, you know, you're working half time, right? You're, you're able to go on vacation more, but they're not necessarily including that in their success because they're, they're just looking at the dollars and cents associated with it. And I, um, I just think it's important to understand and define success in your own way. Well, it was great having you on. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me.